Here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel Open Mic Friday on this August the 27th in the year of our Lord 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And what we do on Open Mic Friday, we receive emails right now and we attempt to answer them. So let's begin. I have been listening to KFUO this week for the first time. It is wonderful to be able to listen to this station during the workday. I appreciate your various programs, including this one. I am a backslider, and I am repenting of my sins. And then he asks, he hopes to find a Bible-preaching church in the town from where he is writing. Well, we get these kind of emails all the time about how important not only Law and Gospel is, but the other programs on KFUO. You really need to listen. There's a lot of information being given. And we pray that this individual, I wrote back to him and gave him some suggestions. Fortunately, the town that he's looking for a congregation, we have four or five LCMS congregations. And so therefore, I think it's important that he take a look at listening to them and coming to a decision. Always visit the congregation. Talk to the pastor. Listen not just to the sermon, but attend a Bible study, because this will often tell you where the pastor is in his understanding of Lutheran theology. So I hope that he finds a congregation soon. Pastor Tom, I was in an adult information class last Sunday and never got a question answered. Here it is. In the Athanasian Creed, it says that, I quote, and in the Trinity, none is before or after another, none is greater or less than another. There are scriptures that bother me on this quotation. John 14, 28, my father is greater than I. Mark 13, 32, if Jesus is God, why did he not know the end times? And 1 Corinthians 11, 3, once again, if Jesus is God, how can he have a head? Well, there is a distinction in Christian theology between the humiliation and the exaltation of Jesus Christ. What am I talking about? In his humiliation, Jesus became incarnate. That is, he became a human being. And as a human being, it's not that he lost any of his divine attributes. He still was God, etc. But he did not make use of them. I mean, it should be pretty obvious that God doesn't get hungry, that God doesn't get sleepy, that God doesn't suffer pain, and that God doesn't die. Yet all of those items Jesus experienced. Why? 
because in his state of humiliation, he was indicating to us that he was willing to become a human being and suffer for us, and that necessitated his incarnation. There's a very easy way to know the difference between his humiliation and his exaltation. It's the Apostles' Creed. There are certain statements that indicate his humiliation. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. That's part of his humility where he humbled himself in order to pay for the price of our sin. His exaltation actually begins with his descent into hell. And it's not the hell he experienced on the cross, but the hell from the book of Peter, where he proclaimed victory to those unbelievers that had died during the time of Noah. Therefore, Jesus again was exalted to the right hand of God, descending into hell, risen from the dead, and the rest of the Apostles' Creed indicates that he will return. So, in his state of humiliation, my father is greater than I, simply means that Jesus was on earth obeying the will of his father. And in his state of humiliation, he did not make full use of his divine attribute of knowing all things. And that's why he said at that time, in his state of humiliation, he did not know the last day. And Jesus is God. How can he have a head? Well, there we're talking about a process where God the Father sends Jesus to earth to accomplish the task of dying on the cross for our sins. And he does that because God the Father is his head and he obeys. It is a lot like thinking about the church. The church has a head, Jesus. We are parts of the body. And so similarly, in his state of humiliation, Jesus' head was none other than God the Father. That's why God the Father said more than once, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, because Jesus was obeying God the Father. All right. Next email. Good afternoon, Reverend Baker. I will keep this short as I am preparing for work. I've been studying the Lutheran way of worship and have decided I wish to join a congregation. I was originally baptized as Roman Catholic, but through the years I have disagreed with them for various reasons. That is the usual reasons, as the infallibility of the Pope, 
etc., etc. I have seemed to have been on a type of quest, so to speak. Through the research, I have discovered in our town we have an LCMS church and an ELCA church. Both intrigue me, but I have a few concerns. The ELCA recently put out a paper concerning same-sex partnerships and pastors of the church. This concerns me greatly. On the other hand, I am under the impression of closed communion in the LCMS. This concerns me. Didn't Jesus welcome all to his table? I think it is possible the closed communion comes from Paul and not from Jesus. Or am I confused? I enjoy study of scripture and I am torn between the two churches. I do know I want to attend services, but I am confused. Help. Either way, I trust in the Lord to guide me in this. I truly miss church. I do read the Bible, and I am concerned about the same-sex issue in the ELCA. I miss the sermons and instructions, and although I haven't agreed entirely with the Catholic faith, I feel the teaching of law and gospel, Lutheran, has it correct. Can you help me? All right, a couple of things to say about this. The ELCA is no longer considered a Lutheran denomination, not only because of its attitude on same-sex marriage, but also it does allow for abortions, it has women pastors, and at a recent convention, it talked about that we don't really know whether Muslims and Buddhists and others are not saved because we don't know how God brings people into his church. Now, that's all false teaching. And therefore, I would encourage you not to join an ELCA church because of the stances they take that are directly against Scripture. But you also mentioned closed communion in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And you say, didn't Jesus welcome all to his table? And you give the idea that closed communion comes from Paul and not from Jesus. Well, there's no doubt that Paul talks about closed communion in 1 Corinthians 11. And he indicates that people who receive the Lord's Supper without proper understanding that they actually have become ill and some have died. And these are Christians in other senses. So how do we rectify that Jesus welcomes everyone to close communion and yet we tell certain people they should not receive it. Well, the fact of the matter is, to believe in the Lord's Supper, what needs to believe that you are receiving the true body 
and the true blood of Jesus Christ. It's not that God says not everyone should come to the Lord's Supper, but he says that everyone who believes in him should receive the Lord's Supper as a sign that their sins have been forgiven and that heaven is their home. The fact that someone is told not to receive the Lord's Supper is actually to protect them from receiving something that could cause them negative consequences. Just read 1 Corinthians 11. We do not make a distinction between what Paul teaches and what Jesus teaches. Both are in the Bible, and everything said even by Paul can be considered to be the word of Jesus because the Bible is given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, if you'll recall the road to Emmaus experience Jesus had with two of the disciples, he made it clear that the whole Old Testament talks about him. And so he's quoting all kinds of prophets from the Old Testament, making it clear that they're talking about him. I mean, take a look at Psalm 22, David's wonderful psalm, where it says that Jesus will be pierced in hands and feet. We're not going to say that the crucifixion was made up by David and Jesus really wasn't crucified. No, the crucifixion was something that happened historically and was prophesied in the Old Testament. So closed communion or close communion is a teaching of the Christian church in order to protect individuals from not receiving the Lord's Supper in a way that would be wrong. That's why we always have an adult instruction to teach people the faith of what the Lutheran Church believes so that they can come to a proper understanding of the Lord's Supper. All right, dear Pastor Baker. Now, this next one deals with a subject that I often do, but don't tell people about it a lot of times. Individuals order books from me. I have a publishing company with a whole multitude of books and other items uh, written by others that can only be found through my publishing company, Torellian Productions. So they order it. Well, here's a letter. Dear Pastor Baker, I wanted to say thank you for your personal attention in delivering my book order. What a surprise when my husband told me you hand-delivered them. Sorry I missed you. Sorry if my husband seemed a little lost. He was. He didn't know I had ordered the books. I probably owe you some money as gas is a lot more expensive than postage. Thank you again for your service, not only in delivering book orders, but also in your service to our Lord and Savior. Now, you may wonder, 
do I deliver book orders to everybody? Well, no, I, I certainly don't because I get book orders from California, from Florida, from Canada. But here's what happened just a couple of weeks ago. I had talked to you about a book order we have concerning prophecies of the Old Testament that are fulfilled in the New Testament, over 200 of them. And the individual who ordered them lived in Alton, Illinois. Well, it just so happens I go through Alton, Illinois two times a week, going to four congregations that I'm serving part-time as they're looking for a full-time pastor. And when I looked up the address in Alton, all I had to do was go to a street I always pass, turn left, go about a mile down the street, and there was the house. And so I dropped off the books there. Uh, the individual was very happy with that, and he ordered another book from me on emails. I did the same. Now, you say, well, doesn't that cost extra? No, going one mile in my car is not as expensive as actually using postage. Sometimes the books are 4 or $5 in postage to send, whereas going one mile in my car costs me about 50 cents. So I, I enjoy dropping them off when I'm able to. And when I would go to the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod headquarters, that's about 22 miles from my house, I would often also drop off books on the way there or on the way back. So don't worry about it if they're hand-delivered. Although recently, Mark Smith ordered five books of whether pets are in heaven. And I took it to their house and we left it on the front porch. And he got it later and didn't realize there was no postage on it. And so I had to tell him that I had delivered it, but unfortunately he wasn't home at the time. All right, next email. Dear Reverend Baker, I just listened to one of the episodes of Law and Gospel. You said you can't find in the Bible where Jesus was tempted to choose between two sins. May I suggest one instance for your consideration? At Jesus' trial, was Jesus not committing suicide by not speaking in his own defense to Pilate? The alternative would have been to avoid God's will. This is the same sin that Jonah was committing when he ran from the mission to speak in Nineveh. We all know that the words of Jesus could have convinced Pilate of Jesus' innocence. He could have avoided the cross by defending himself. So Jesus, as fully God, could do anything, but he chose to do the will of his Father 
and give up his life for the sins of the whole world by not speaking. Just a thought. I'll try to listen on Friday if you can comment. Otherwise, just email me back. Thank you for your time and God's blessings on your wonderful ministry. All right. Was Jesus committing suicide by not defending himself? Uh, The reason I will not agree with that is that Jesus was well aware of his Father's will, and he was well aware that he was going to die on the cross. We've already mentioned Psalm 22 as evidence of that. Therefore, remember what the people said to Pontius Pilate. If you do not crucify him, we will report this to the emperor to show you, to show him that you think there is another king of Jerusalem not being the emperor. There really was nothing Jesus could have said to stop his crucifixion. It was not only prophesied, but Pilate was more important in keeping his job, even though his wife warned him about what he was doing. So there was no way Jesus was committing suicide. In in fact, Jesus wasn't put to death by the Jews or the Romans. He actually allowed himself to die at a specific time, and that was for the sake of your sins. Next one. Greetings, Pastor Baker. I have listened to your program on KFUO since I became a Lutheran. I have enjoyed your teaching tremendously and believed it has helped my faith as much. However, recently, I have attempted to share my Lutheran faith with non-denominational believing siblings, those are brothers and sisters, and have become frustrated, not at them, but at myself for not being able to convey or clearly explain what I believe and why. The ironic thing about this is that I was very much into apologetics as an evangelical, but now realize I was wrong in what I believed. I would like to be able to explain my faith to layman terms in an open dialogue with them. I come from the same background as they, although the last church I attended before the Lutheran church was an evangelical church. We all grew up Roman Catholic, but we all left it as adults after becoming born-again Christians. Any help, guidance you can provide me would be much appreciated, whether it is books, audio, or any resources you could recommend. Thank you and kind regards. All right. There are a number of ways that we as Lutherans can explain our faith. Probably the best way is to know Luther's small catechism. Why? Because that is an excellent, excellent instruction on the Ten Commandments, on the Apostles' Creed, on the Lord's Prayer, on baptism, 
and the Lord's Supper. Now, you may be looking for something that would convince your siblings that they are wrong in what they right now believe and therefore would like them to know more about Luther's small catechism. But be aware, there is nothing that you can say or do to absolutely convince someone to become a Christian. I appreciate that you recognize that a certain kind of apologetics is useless because there really is no proof or evidence that what the Bible says about our salvation is true. Only the Bible is the source. And so using Luther's small catechism or using the Apostles' Creed or one of the items I've been encouraging people to use are the hymns from the hymnal. Uh, Take a look at them. Uh, For example, we're going to be singing a hymn that we are saved by grace through faith, not on account of our works. And start with something like that and then permit the Holy Spirit to open the hearts of your siblings to understand that what they personally now believe is not as accurate as what the Bible has to say. It's really amazing how people come to faith. Sometimes they're on a horse and are thrown off, and Jesus says, you're persecuting me. That's the Apostle Paul. Sometimes they're blind, and Jesus gives them back their sight and they trust in him for salvation. There are many ways in which the word of God has an impact. Your task is not to convince someone concerning Christian faith. Your task is to share the Christian faith and let the Holy Spirit guide them. On Monday's Law and Gospel, We will be taking a look at the reading for the following Sunday, showing how law and gospel makes a big difference in interpreting that passage and preaching. Until then, I'm Tom Baker. God bless you. Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker. P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.